We live in a culture where it is offensive to some to give a perm to a cat. Yet the people that get all offended by that put all kind of chemicals in their hair. We live in a culture where it is offensive to let a dog ride in the back of a truck. We live in a culture where some ladies get offended if a man opens the door for them. We live in a culture where the men, if you tell them that their favorite sports team is awful, they get so offended and have a terrible day. By the way, my team stinks. I would like to share with you a message this morning titled, The Offensity of the Gospel, based upon Acts chapter 9, verse 23 through 31. The word offensity, if you do a quick word study, you'll find that it's not really a word, we're just making it up, okay, for today. Offensity, the definition for us today is this, the nature of being offended and the offensity of the gospel. Everything about the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive to the human flesh. It's very offensive. Help us understand that. Let's look at God's word, Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 23. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe he, that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on their road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. When the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So what do you notice about this passage? There in verse 23, it says, when many days had passed. Luke writes, when many days had passed. And what he means is many, many days had passed. Because Paul tells us later on in Corinthians that it was three years had passed when he left Damascus. Paul is a new man. He had come to know Christ. He was there in Damascus making disciples. And we see that people, the Jewish people, plotted to kill him. Isn't that strong to kill someone? Well, why, was, why were they so angry? Why were they so upset? After all, Saul was trying to help them. He was trying to rescue them. He was trying to tell them the good news of the gospel, how to have peace and 
comfort, and freedom. That seems like a positive thing, correct? Yet, they were so upset about it, they wanted to kill this man named Paul. It says they were watching. They had a plot. Damascus is, today is the capital of Syria. Damascus is one of the oldest inhabited cities on the earth. It's in the Old Testament. It's been a city, had people in it for as long as very Old Testament. And there was a gate surrounding the city. It was a large wall for protection. And so it was only a matter of time before they got to Paul and they would have killed him. That was their plan. They were going to catch him. But the plot became known to the disciples. There were on that wall surrounding the city of Damascus, there were some houses, cheap real estate. It was cheap because you were the first house to go when an enemy attacked. So some people built their homes against that wall and some people built their houses inside of the wall or on top of the wall. And so there was a, a window of a believer that let them borrow the house to help the man named Paul escape. The Bible says his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall lowering him in a basket. So then he goes to Jerusalem. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, why would they not believe that? Because he was killing Christians only some years earlier. They thought he was an undercover agent getting ready to destroy all of them. But old Barney, in verse 27... Barnabas took him and brought him to the, the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. See, that's why they were so upset. He was preaching the gospel boldly in the name of the Lord. Verse 29, the last part of it says they were seeking to kill him. Was Paul this bad of a guy what did he do that was so wrong to make them want to kill him verse 30 when the brothers had learned this they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus so Paul because of his obedience it continued to bring his personal life calamity because he was doing what God called him to do he kept running into people that wanted to cut his head off how easy would it have been for him to say, you know what, I'm going to tone it down a little bit. I'm going to stop preaching the gospel. I'm going to stop reading the Bible in public. I'm going to stop being unashamed of my Savior and what he's done in my life. It would have been a lot easier for him, correct? Yeah, it would have caused people to stop trying to hunt him down and to kill him. Everything in the, about the gospel is offensive to our human flesh. See, the Bible says that we are born sinners. We learned this last week, that evil is lurking inside of us, that out of the heart of man, out of from within, is where sin comes from, not from without. You see, people don't like hearing that, that, that my DNA, my flesh, my nature is hostile, is evil, is prone more towards evil than towards righteousness. Because of our sin, God sent his perfect son to come to this earth and he lived a perfect life. You see, people don't like that, that Jesus lived a perfect life. They hate it 
because they want to live a perfect life, but they cannot. But he did. And so because he did, the nature of jealousy in the human nature is to just hate Jesus because he's perfect. And he was perfect and he went and he was accused as a criminal and he was arrested for our sin and he had the cat of nine tails, which is a Roman torture device, and they beat his back and it shredded his flesh on his, on his back. And Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down for my sheep, for my people. And then Jesus, they, they took a crown of thorns and they took sticks and pulled it down on his head to where the thorns stuck into his skull. They beat him up, spit on him. Then he had to carry an old piece of lumber. We call it a cross, but it was a, a tree. It had been designed and carved out for the purpose of killing someone. And he carried his own cross down the Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem and outside of the city. And he carried that cross, struggling all the while. And he carried that cross for you and for me and for the whole world. The perfect Lamb of God. And then they nailed his feet into the cross with a hammer. Large nails into the feet. Then they nailed his hands into the cross. And then they lifted that cross up and the the full weight of the body of Christ was on on those nails. Jesus had to put the pressure of his the nails had to lift himself up just so he could breathe. But when he did that, it, it hurt so bad that we'd go back down. Then he would suffocate. He'd lift himself back up so he could breathe. Excruciating, horrific, physical death. People hate this in America. We hate it because the cross says that you and I have a problem. The cross is offensive because it says we do not have what it takes. And the good news is that we, didn't, we don't have to have what it takes because Jesus had what it took and Jesus went to the cross. So this gospel, this, the gospel is the good news that Christ came, Christ died, Christ rose so that whoever would repent and receive Jesus to be your personal savior, you'll be saved, you'll be set free, you'll be going to heaven forever. And then you're, you're, you have life, life in his name. You're not a dead, you're not walking dead anymore like the TV show. You're, you're alive. You have life. You have peace. You have joy. You have all the fruits of the Spirit when you're walking in the Spirit. They bubble out of your life. Love, peace, joy, self-control. Do you know this Jesus? Church, are we clinging to the Word of God in our personal lives. Let's see what happens in the rest of the passage. Verse 31 says, so the church, the church, the universal church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. It's an attribute of this church. Why did they have peace? They were being built up. The word being, the word used there for being built up is not talking about a physical buildings being built It's talking about people being added to the church. And then it says, walking in the fear of the Lord. 
walking in the fear of the Lord. You know what that means? That means that if God says don't touch it, don't touch it. If God says don't do it, don't do it. Fear doesn't mean that it's a relationship. And the relationship with God shouldn't be one that we think he's going to strike us down if we do bad. No, it's one out of respect. God, I fear who you are. I fear your nature. I fear who you are as, a, as the being, the person, the strongest individual in all creation. And they feared the Lord. And because of that, because they were obedient and they were growing and they were reaching people and they had fellowship with one another and they loved each other, they had comfort. Don't you like to be comfortable? Don't you like to be comforted? The Holy Spirit comforted their lives even though their circumstances many days stunk. Many days they were under attack. Many days they faced persecution, yet they had comfort. Why? Because they were obedient to the Lord. They had comfort and peace. They were walking in the fear of the Lord. And what happened at the end of verse 31? It multiplied. The church buildings multiplied? No. The people multiplied. In other words, they made time to tell other people the good news of the gospel and discipled them, and then they multiplied, and they kept multiplying. And it's a good thing, because if they would not have, we wouldn't be in this room right now. We are a product of the early church being obedient to the gospel. So the question is, this exciting journey that Saul was on, Paul, the exciting journey that this church is on, does any part of this describe our lives? Walking in the fear of the Lord, walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and seeing people come to know Christ, seeing people being discipled, and the church being multiplied. Not as our church a part of that, but are we as individuals a part of God's kingdom work on this earth? It's a great question to ask. Some research came out this week by LifeWay Research that church families now attend church services 1.6 times a month. If parents choose the ballpark, beach, or bailing out for any other reason, then we have little chance of impacting our culture with the gospel. That's on average. Church families in America, Southern Baptist churches, attend church 1.6 times a month. So the question is, are we truly committed to this Jesus who we claim to love and who we claim to worship and who we claim to build our lives around? Are we hitched up to his wagon? Is he really the Lord of our life? Or is he just our genie in a bottle? He's, he's just my genie and God, if you, I'm going to rub my lamp and if you'll come out and solve this medical issue, then I'll be thankful. But after God, you heal the, the, the medical issue, you help me get past that, then you know what? You can go back in the lamp. That's how some people's Christianity is. You know who that's offensive to? The Lord God Almighty. Because he's nobody's genie. We are his slaves. He is the ultimate 
master. You see, we have left the word of God in the, the modern church. We have. We've been intimidated by our culture. We have been intimidated by this spirit of the day that causes us to clam up and to not talk about our faith. It causes us not to be open about the Lord. It causes us to be afraid, to have doubts. And today, we need some people in the house to solidify and to come back to say, I, I confess that Jesus is the way. I confess and I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in God's inerrant, infallible, holy word. But I'm going to show you what our culture, Christian culture. Now, people that don't know Christ, they don't know Christ. They, they don't know any better. They're ignorant. And so we don't need to just get mad at those people because they're lost. If it weren't for the grace of God, we would be lost, Right? Well, let's talk about the church because those are God's people. Those are God's people who know better. The Christian culture, here's what we do. We decide what we're going to believe and apply to our life in God's word. And most of the time, we leave out most of the Bible. So here's an example. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth we believe that sometimes, but when my, when my child's going to go for that scholarship and the science teacher's going to sign off on it, let's just don't talk about that. Okay? We get to the book of Exodus and we Deuteronomy, see about the Ten Commandments. Should have no other God before me. Uh, sure, I, should never lust or should never uh, covet something. You just go down the Ten Commandments. You know what? Let's just, let's don't look at those Ten Commandments. Let's just skip over that. Then we get to where God starts destroying nations that are evil. No, let's definitely skip over that. That's offensive to many people. God would never do that. Oh, he destroyed more nations. Oh, let's get past this. Let's get past some of these pages here. Leviticus, this stuff is really strange and the Jewish people, God wanted them to be set apart and be different. Well, I don't like being different from the world, so let's just skip over that whole book. Then we get to Joshua, God's people are wandering around in the desert. Well, let's don't talk about that either because they had a right to do whatever they wanted. Because if they can do whatever they want, then I can live my life however I want. Let's get to the book of Malachi. Well, let's skip that book. It says that God hates divorce. Well, it's definitely, we need to skip that one. God doesn't hate people who get divorces. God hates divorce. Okay? Now, let's get through the minor prophets because there's all kind of judgment stuff in there about people who do evil. Nope, don't talk about that. Oh, well, the Psalms definitely include some of the Psalms. Okay, let's put some of the Psalms on our walls in our house and in our churches because those are really positive and make us feel good. And then let's get to the book, the New Testament because the Old Testament, it really doesn't apply to 2019 for many of us. So let's get to the book of Matthew. It says that uh, Jesus was born of a virgin. Eh, that's not really popular in our culture. Christmas is not really that cool for some people. Let's, let's have all the lights and all the presents, but let's leave Jesus out of it. So 
Well, let's skip over the book of Matthew. Oh, there's Mark. Oh, same thing about Christmas. Let's skip that. Okay. Jesus is perfect. No, I'll skip over that. Jesus has a plan for my life. Ooh, I really like that. Well, I love that. That feels good. Let's put that on the wall. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, that's really not convenient for my plans I have for my life. So let's definitely cut that page out. Then we get to Acts chapter 1, and Jesus reminds them again, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There it is, God's heart for the nations again. Let's definitely skip over Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, oh man, they're selling all their stuff and loving each other and witnessing and sharing the gospel and praying. And um, That's cool, I kind of like that, but I don't want to dwell on it too much because that means it could happen to me. So let's don't do that. Um, and then we get to, all the way through the early church. Uh, we see the letters, Paul's letters to Gal- church in Galatia, and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Boy, those are strong words. It tells us exactly how the church should operate. It tells us exactly how men and women should act and behave towards one another. It tells us exactly how we should treat each other. Uh, but sometimes that doesn't feel good, so let's just skip over those too. And then we get back to the book of Revelation. Oh, that's cool. God's going to come and make all things right. Uh-oh. It says that Jesus is going to come back on a horse, and he's going to have a sword, and he's going to come and execute justice on all the earth. Ooh, definitely skip that page. Okay. Um, he's going to hold everybody accountable for their whole life. Man, definitely skip that. Okay. Last book of Revelation, it says that uh, if anyone adds to this word or takes away from the word of God, then uh, they're going to be cursed. Okay, definitely not going to put that verse on the house wall. Okay, all right. So here's what we've done. We've just decided to leave behind the word of God. And by doing that, we have left the Lord behind. We have picked and chosen what is convenient for our life And what makes us feel good over the truth of God's word? And we can't fool him. We might can fool our friends. We might can fool other people. But he knows all things. Now the good news, you ready for some good news? He's slow to anger. He's full of compassion. He has mercy on his people, but he expects them to get right with him. So you ever had those weeks and months where you just drift away from the Lord? Anybody ever had those kind of things happen in their life? You drift away? Well, I hope so. It means you're a normal Christian. And so there's those times where, you know, I really hadn't had my quiet time at my house. I just got out of routine. And and so our first response is we think that God's just so mad at us yeah, that we just need to not go back to the Word of God and not go back to church until eventually we're so separated and we're out of habit meeting with God that we just leave the church altogether. And then we're miserable because we know better and we've tasted living water, but now we're straying far from it. But see, God's not mad at us when we miss our quiet time. He's not mad at us when we don't go to church. He just knows we're missing out. And he's a good father. We just sing about it. He's a good father. And so he wants us to come back to him. He wants us to come back to, so he can show us rich treasure in his word. 
and he wants us to have good fellowship with him and he wants us to be filled with the Spirit so we can live on mission with God. Because if you fill with the Holy Spirit, that means you're going to be in tune with him. You're going to have the eyes of Christ. You're going to have the hands and feet of Christ. Your life's going to be different. So God's not throwing stones. He's just wanting us to wake up and to get in tune with him. So does this passage in Acts chapter 9, does any part of that resemble your life? Walking in the fear of the Lord, being comforted by the Holy Spirit, helping bring other people to Jesus. Here's something the devil doesn't want you to know. That your life can look like that. You can watch God move. You can be a part of what he is doing, but you can't leave him behind. Can't leave him behind. You gotta do it his way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You say, Pastor, this is not popular in our culture. No, it's not. You say, well, our, our kids are part of all these things. Okay. And we wonder why when they go to college, they leave the church. It's because we trained them to think that the church was on the priority list down to number nine or number 10 instead of number one. Well, my mom and dad, it really wasn't a big priority. We went to church every once in a while, every other Sunday. My mom and dad spent a lot more money on all the toys and all the things in our home than they did tithing to the Lord God Almighty. My mom and dad really never talked to anybody about Jesus my mom and dad didn't go to any small groups, but I never saw my dad read the Bible. I never saw my dad pray except for at the dinner table. And we wonder why when they go to college, they're gone. Because they never saw it at home. So there's some people in the house, that you can make a commitment today. Some men in the house, you can say, as for me and my house, we're going to go with the Lord. And I'm not going to let the culture of the day, even the Christian culture, Tell me what is right and wrong and how I should live my life. I'm going to get back to the Word of God and follow Him, be in close fellowship with Him. And when we make a decision as a family or as individuals, we say, Lord, what do you think about that? Should we be a part of this? Or maybe, Lord, is it okay if we do these two things, but we say no to the other 75 things that the school wants us to be a part of? Families are so busy that they never see each other, never have time for each other, and they never even do anything fun. Too busy. Well, we're just so busy. Friend, if you're too busy for Jesus, then you are defeating the purpose of your life, and that is to give God glory and to worship Him. You know, have you ever, do you ever feel anxious and filled with anxiety? Some people, no, you never, boy, just walking in the spirit, a lot of people. Some people, okay. You know, the times in our life when we're the most anxious, it's when we want to be in control. We want to be in control, and we want to be on the throne of our life, and we want everything to work out how we want it to, and that causes much anxiety, because we're trying to call the shots, and we're trying to be the boss, but see, Biblical Christianity does not work like that. Jesus is not your co-pilot. He's not your co-pilot. 
He's the only pilot. Have you ever seen the clay start talking to potters? Anybody ever been to like Silver Dollar City or Opryland? Well, they don't have Opryland anymore, but y'all been to those really cool places you go to sometimes for vacation? You ever seen people make, sculpting those sculptures and doing the art shows? Have you ever seen the, the clay just start talking back? And say, well, I don't want to become a, a Voss. I want to become uh, a bowl. Or I, I want to do something. You don't see that. That's silly. Jesus is the potter. And he's working on your life. You see, you can't stay where you are and go with God. You might want to stay where you are, but you can't do that. Because he's on the move. His kingdom's on the move. And he wants you to be prepared for heaven. You see, Jesus didn't die on the cross and then come and save your life just to keep you out of hell. He came to get hell out of you, to prepare you for heaven. Are you ready for heaven? In the first service this morning, we sang, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And then we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If God's holy and he asked us to be holy, then why aren't we pursuing holiness? Well, none of my friends, you know, they just, you know, this is how they are, so I'm going to compromise in these areas of my life. Friend, you cannot go with Jesus and compromise. So you and I, we've got to decide for real. If we're going to be a part of God's kingdom, or are we just going to keep doing our own thing? Because when God saves a man or a woman, he becomes Lord of their life. He controls where they go, what they do, where they live, and he gives them purposes to live by every single day, and he gives them a mission. You hear people talking about all the time here in the Deep South about uh, on HGTV, uh, sometimes I have to watch that ridiculous channel because my wife loves all that stuff. But uh, I'm thinking I'm going to cut that channel off behind her back. I don't see her in this service. She must be somewhere else. Okay. But you hear people use this term, my forever home. Y'all hear this? This is my forever home. And I just think that is so unbiblical. Now, there's nothing wrong with living in your house the rest of your life. In fact, God very, mel, uh, very well may desire and, for, and appointed you to live in that home for the rest of your life. But do you see, this is just hilarious. Do you look in the book of Acts and do you see any of these people talking about their forever home? No way, man. They weren't even talking about their homes. They, they were using their homes to have prayer meetings and to eat. And talk about what God's going to do next and the people they're going to reach. You see, we have become so unbiblical. The American church is unrecognizable by the believers overseas. They look back at us and think, aren't you guys supposed to be leading the way? When Southern Baptists, we just have right at 4,000 missionaries. When the Korean church, just the silver boomers ages 55 to 65 have 20,000 in Korea, 
we're getting smoked by these other countries as far as sending out missionaries and planting churches all over the world. It's because we're doing our thing. And if we do want to do our thing, we're going to miss out on what God's doing among the nations. Your anxiety during the week. What is, why do you have so much anxiety? Well, many times it's because we start trying to fight God's battles for him. You ever try to fight God's battle? And during the week, there's things that cause us stress and things we get upset about and things that we think about. And if we'll just put all that stuff on God's shoulders and let him deal with it, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. Hard to lay it at the feet of the cross and back away. It's, it's difficult. But if we can manage just to, just to ask him to help us leave that stuff at the cross, they, he can do immeasurably more than we could ever think or imagine. I have a sword in our church office that one of our senior adults gave us, gave, gave our church staff to borrow. She told me this morning she gave it to us, but I, I didn't hear that. So it's a, it's a big, large wooden sword. And it says on that sword, the battle is the Lord's. And that comes from King Jehoshaphat. He was trying to fight for the Lord and they were surrounded by tens of thousands of armies and people and they were coming and surrounding them. They're going to kill them. And God sent a prophet. And God sent the prophet. The prophet says, you need to chill out and you need to stand back and you need to watch the Lord because the battle is God's. The battle is the Lord's. So maybe in your private life, there's the same demons you've been facing. Maybe it is the demons of alcohol. Maybe it is the demons of pride. Maybe it is just anxiety and worry that's your demon. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's a, some health battles that you're having to face cancer, bad news from the doctor, maybe it's just an arm or a, a limb that's not working right, maybe it's bigger than that. We need to let the Lord take care of things that are beyond our control. And even some things that are beyond in our control, we need to let go of those too and realize that the battle is the Lord's and he's undefeated. He's the undefeated heavyweight champion of the Lord, of the world. Sorry. The offensity of the gospel. Just because it's offensive, Paul did not shy away from preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, and loving people. So you and I have to decide in our woke culture, are we going to go with Jesus or are we going to do our own thing? And I tell you, it's a lot more fun when you're following Jesus and you're all in when there's some other people that are also all in with the Lord. It's a lot more fun. You can go by yourself. Though none go with me, I will still follow. But it's a whole lot more fun when you've got a busload of people that signed up and say, Lord, I'm all in. I want to follow you.